Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. Well, that was a really fun 10th episode of the Rising Champions podcast. A lot of me, Kyle Bogey, and of course, uh, Dr. Jason <laughs> Novetsky, uh going back and forth, doing a little reminiscing uh, and, and kind of combing through, you know, some of the incredible athletes uh, that we've had a chance to talk to so far on the pod. And, um, you know, again, I really happy to be here, happy to be doing this, happy to be talking to, you know, so many young people that are doing great things, not only on the court, you know, on the ice, whatever it may be, but also doing great things off of it. And, um, you know, we'll certainly continue with that today. We've got a great interview uh, that we will get to that was uh, recorded previously with an unbelievable athlete from a mental and physical standpoint, uh, Nate Seacrest, a 17-year-old goaltender who, Doc, you can attest to, and you'll hear the full interview, has been through a heck of a lot, but it's not about what he's been through and what he's dealt with. It's really been about how he's responded to it all and where he is right now mentally and physically. Yeah, I mean, we always say you can't control what already happened, but you certainly can control how you respond to what happened. And and Nate's a shining example of somebody that has perseverance and resilience and a positive attitude, uh, despite all the injuries and setbacks that he's had in his hockey career. And he's going to highlight, you know, how many times he's been cut from AAA teams, um, injuries that he's had and how to overcome that and to keep pressing forward and also some of the mental strategies that he uses uh, to stay focused while he's playing. See, I think it's both mental and physical. And we can start, I guess, with the mental aspect. You brought up, you know, being cut. And, mm-hmm. and he'll allude to several different instances where that ultimately happened to him throughout his hockey career. But, you know, I, I think everyone has an example to a reasonable degree of being disappointed, being yeah. told, you know, you weren't good enough, whatever it is. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll share an example, you know, in the interview of a situation I was in, you know, as a young basketball player and being cut, but I, I had the same situation on a travel soccer team, you know, when I was a kid where I was okay. I could have played with the, that group that I was already playing with, but you know, my birthday kind of qualified me to play with the younger group mm-hmm. and I would have been a much better player with that group. So they kind of talked me into doing that. My parents had to kind of break the news that I wasn't going to be playing with my friends and you know for me at least that motivated you know the heck out of me to you know continue to progress and get better and not settle for being the best player on that team with a lower age group but to really improve and be ready to go come high school where you know you would be one of the better players not only you know on that team but you know within that group that you weren't able to play with for many years and i think some kids will respond and go I don't want to do that. I I Mm. give up. I'm not good enough. And and the confidence just goes in the tank, but you have to kind of rise above that and use it. And, and that really can bring the best out of you as an athlete and as a person. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's really hard for a younger person to think at that level. Now it's easy for us to (laughs) go back and say, yeah, exactly. That was a great (laughs) thing for me to do. But at that time you just want what you want and you don't have the patience or you don't think that that development idea is such a great, great concept at that point. So, yeah, I understand. But, you know, Nate, as we're going to find out, is somebody that just gets it. Um, 
he's been pushed back and cut and things like that. And I think another lesson that, you know, this can be extrapolated to is, you know, like job interviews, you know, we've all been on job interviews or maybe you didn't, it didn't go well. You didn't get the job you wanted, uh, but doesn't mean you give up. And I think this is a good lesson for everybody to understand. And I think parents need to step in here too, for their kids, uh, you know, as they're getting cut and it's okay to get cut. Uh, it's going to teach you a good lesson. So it's your choice how you're going to respond to that. Are you just going to, you know, crawl into a hole? Or are you going to use this as motivation fire uh, to get you better? Uh, and unfortunately, as we've talked about a couple times before, we don't want parents to be then following up and calling coaches and, and demanding that their player plays or calling the school or the school board and things like that. Um, you know, it's okay for kids to be disappointed. I think it builds character. And Nate's a shining example of that where he just kept pushing forward. See, and it's, it's interesting because times are, you know, a little bit different, even from when I was growing up and certainly, you know, when you were growing up doc, but easy you know, now, before, not that much older than you, not that much, <laughs> no, not at all. And you certainly can outdrive me, uh, you know, a few times in the fairway too. And you, and you make sure to let me know about it as well. Of course, but, yeah. And you should. Yeah, exactly. It's motiv- it's motivating for me. That's right? right. But right. It, it is one of those things where I, I don't know, years and years ago it was a lot more tough love like you just got you got to deal with this you know you you were cut you you weren't good enough you didn't get that job deal with it get over it you know and and figure it out and find something else it can be a little bit different now you know just based on how we've progressed as a you know a nation and and as a world but I, i do think that ultimately allowing younger people to to figure it out to deal with that confidence loss, to then overcome that confidence loss and regain it in some way, mm-hmm. that can be so unbelievably beneficial. Absolutely. I mean, I wish more and more parents would allow their kids to feel that disappointment and you know support them. But hey, if you want it, what are you going to do about it? And let them respond with, with their own answer that way instead of doing things for them. And I think obviously Nate's parents have done that for him because he is a perfect example of pushing forward. So we talked about the, the mental side of it and, you know, kind of overcoming some of those disappointments, the the confidence issues, but the physical side of it as well, Hmm. Nate has dealt with a lot of injuries, all athletes, you know, to a reasonable degree, you know, have dealt with a major injury, you know, throughout their playing career and probably one that directly affects their specific position or sport, you know, in, in a major way. And I, I'm always fascinated, especially with modern medicine, how like a guy, you know, Adrian Peterson, you know, the, mm-hmm. the NFL running back, he had a torn ACL and within what under nine months or just a hair over nine months, maybe was back out on the field, cutting, sprinting, accelerating, just like he was before. And that is something to me that is grueling. It's, it's unbelievably taxing. And I have an incredible amount of respect for people who can mentally mm-hmm. get back to that state and feel comfortable doing all of that movement once again. Yeah, it's incredibly difficult. We mentioned that with Nate. Uh, he's going to talk about a groin injury he had. I mean, for a goalie, come on, that's one of the toughest things you can have. Or a pitcher having an elbow injury. Like like Fulmer's coming back this week to pitch for the Tigers. And, you know, I know he's been training a lot. But, man, that first time on the mound to cut one loose, you know, back after rehab. Man, after your arm has been immobile for a while, I mean, that's not an easy surgery to get over. And, and any athlete, that first time you're going to go do that, it takes a lot of courage to do that. And what we do with athletes on that is we do a lot of visualization work uh, to help, them, help their mind see 
that they can do that work. We watch a lot of old videotape to remind their bodies that they once were able to do that and they can do that again. And once they do it slowly, step by step, they're able to then kind of crack through that barrier of being scared. Is that really the key? Just literally very slowly, you know, a lot of the, um, I guess the modern therapy sessions, they do have you do it in a pool where you're cutting, you're stepping, you're running, you know, in a pool where there's a little bit of resistance. So it's not as grueling or, you know, that fear might not be there. And then you slowly build up to that. But I still think you you never practice, you know, like you will play in a game. And until you're in that situation and you're, you have to be reliant on that to overcome that injury. I, I just, I don't think there's really any, incredible uh, i don't know preparation i would say for that no you do the best you can you go slow step by step and i think also what happens once you get back in that game situation is the adrenaline kicks in and that's kind of a natural painkiller so to speak (laughs) and uh you just don't feel it and once you it's like football once you take that first hit you're good to go and so once that first cut is made or first throw is made uh i think your confidence comes bouncing back and it's like okay i can do this again I was a soccer and basketball guy, never football. So you can, you can make fun of me, laugh all you want, but I, I don't understand, you know, being hit or tackled or anything like that. Uh, although I'm sure many people out there do. So, yeah. uh, well, looking forward to this, this will be a great interview uh, and kind of diving into really the psyche of what it's like to be a goaltender in hockey as well, which I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, great interview guys. This is uh, Nate Seacrest. Please check it out. And again, continue subscribing, sharing, rating, the Rising Champions Podcast, Episode 11. Here's our interview. Well, here we go. Really excited to have 17-year-old goaltender Nate Seacrest on the Rising Champions Podcast. I'm Kyle Bogey, of course. We've got Dr. Jason Nevetsky and uh, Nate. Really excited to, to talk a little bit more about, you know, your journey and everything that you've kind of been through very early on here in your hockey career. I have a lot of questions personally on the psyche, you know, that involves being a goaltender in hockey and staying locked in for three full periods when some of the action might not be, you know, on your end. We'll get to some of that in just a little bit, but I guess to start, uh, can we run through, you know, some of, you know, the history and I guess the steps that you've taken to get to this point and the opportunity that you're going to be embarking on here? Okay, so I started my, my first travel team. I started out with the uh, USA Spirit. That was uh, it was double A. I think that was when I was about 11. So I was just, you know, it was my first travel team. I was super hyped about it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, wasn't too great of a season, but uh, just kept going through it, going through with it. I decided to, uh, to change to Little Caesars Farmington Hill next year, next year's, which, uh, again, was double A. I hadn't really started triple A tryouts yet. So same kind of thing there. It wasn't, wasn't too great. So, so I started doing triple A tryouts a year after that. And I mean, I, I think I did pretty good at them, but you know, I got, I ended up getting cut. So <laughs> then I, uh, I ended up going to Royal Oak and that was probably one of my most favorite teams, my f- most favorite travel teams so far. Uh, love the guys there. They were awesome. All the parents were really nice. Coaches were great. Uh, but you know, we lost districts. I actually had my first tournament win there, which was really good. So yeah, but we ended up losing districts. Uh, some stuff went down in the spring. So I ended up changing too. Uh, I, that's when I really started getting to AAA, I was going to a bunch of AAA teams, uh, just to name a few, I was going to honey baked OJG, I think, uh, belts higher, but I ended up getting cut again, which kind of sucks. So, <laughs> but that year was, uh, I was invited to the Austin Bruins futures camp. So I was, I was really hyped for that. They're in the NAHL. So I went there, uh, they gave me my review. I, they said I did really good. They said I put me on their, uh, their young guns list. So 
I was really, really happy with that going into the, uh, the next season, but again, got cut from AAA. So uh, I ended up playing with Jimmy Johns the year after that, AA. Uh, we played in the NJPHL, which was basically a AAA league. So that, that was probably one of my worst seasons of ever that I can remember. So yeah, after that, um, that's when I really started going out in the junior camps. So I went to um, the Muskegon Lumberjacks Futures Camp and uh, the Austin Bruins pre-draft camp in the same, like the same weekend. So that was a, that was a tough one. But so you've been on like lots of opportunities you've had to make various oh, yeah. teams and, There's and so you've, many. you've faced a lot of setbacks. You faced some injuries. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about how you dealt with that. Okay. So my, uh, my injury, this is a really big one. So I tried to get groin surgery. That Ooh. one put me up for about uh, a month or two in the summer. So I had to put all my training on hold, all my workouts, everything like that. But, um, and I was basically just stuck in the bed for, you know, a month or two. I was, you know, I was pretty bored. I was just lazy. I was kind of angry. I wasn't able to skate, stuff like that. But, um, you know, first day back on the ice, I did the best I could, you know, I wasn't pushing myself too much, but I think I, I think I did fairly good for not being on the ice for two months. After that, I just kept putting in the work, you know, I was skating every single day. That's when uh, I started doing private lessons with my goalie coach, AJ Wildcheck. Huge props to him. He's a great coach. I love working with him. And uh, at the same time, I was working at Puck Masters. I love those guys. They're like a second family to me. I've been up, been going up there since I was like 12. Let me back up to the, to the groin injury. Cause as a goalie, that's gotta be incredibly tough. And yeah. you know, I've worked with a lot of athletes that, you know, have a significant injury, like a, a knee for a football player or an elbow for a baseball player. And man, for a goalie, a groin, it's gotta be extremely hard. Talk to us a little bit about how did you first get over the hump of just coming back the first time on the ice, you know, after physical therapy and like test it out. That must've been, yeah, it was, it felt like I was climbing a mountain or something. Hmm. First day back on the ice. It was just like a, it was like, there's a weight on my shoulders. But, uh, after the first session, I felt like that weight was lifted and, you know, I felt like I could get back to normal and get back into things. But, uh, another, another really big thing that, you know, that injury affected me. That was, uh, I missed triple A tryouts that year. So hmm. that was probably my best year. Well, I, I, I really improved that year. So I was really, I really thought I was going to be playing triple A the year after that, but you know, the injury put me out of tryouts. So I was not able to, you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, being cut, you know, multiple times and all that, and, you know, you're obviously on a different level, uh, you know, than I was, but I, I remember, you know, even back in, in eighth grade, there was an A team, there was a B team in basketball and I ended up getting cut. I was a 16th guy and a 15 man roster. So I had to be on the B team and, you know, the A team ended up having this older coach who really wasn't all that good. And all those guys didn't go on to high school and play varsity basketball. I got the better coach, the younger coach, the motivated coach that told me at that time, Hey, you're going to shove it up there. You know what? And, mm -hmm. and prove that they were wrong, you know, to, to cut you then. And I remember that next year, freshman year of high school, I took that. And in the last tryout, I, there was one final sprint. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and make this team. I ended up being the last guy that, that made that team. And I, I took that and used that as motivation. Is that, is that a similar thing, I guess, that you've done over the years with those situations for you? Yeah, over the years, I've really, I've really figured out just to don't really listen to what other people are saying to you. Like, not, not in like, you know, an arrogant way, but just block out all the negative stuff, you know, just, just focus on improving yourself and just doing the best you can. So, 
So Nate, you've obviously been through a lot and you've a lot of lots of ups and downs and then you had to deal with COVID and the shutdown and everything and kind of got in the way of all your goals. So with that in mind, tell us a little bit about the goals that you have at this point moving forward, some of the result oriented goals and maybe also focusing on the process that we talked about as well. Last year, I don't know if there's like before all the shutdowns to everything, but it's, I think, I, I feel like it's still an important thing to say. One of my, uh, one of my process goals, sorry, was to, uh, gain 10 pounds by February. I ended up not, not doing it by February, but you know, since the shutdown, I've been really on just bearing down on the grind. I ended up gaining 10 pounds. Plus I ended up growing three wow. inches, I believe. So <laughs> that really helped. <laughs> yeah, especially as a goalie, I, you know, I wasn't, my head was like maybe, four inches from the net, but now my, my forehead's like covering it right now. So, and so moving forward too, what are the plans for you as we move forward? So, uh, my, one of my plan, one of my big plans is I was just, uh, I just received an offer from the El Paso Rhinos of the NA three. So nice. I'm open if I can get down there, I'm hoping to make an impression on those, on, on those guys, you know, be the best I can. But, uh, some of my goals for that team, uh, get a shutout in my first game, win my first game, stuff like that. Uh, get a at least a 930 save percentage get five shutouts so do you find that those kind of results based goals focus and motivate you or do sometimes those things a distraction i feel like they motivate me especially when you combine it with all the other mental mental aspects that we've been working on and all the training that you've helped me out with i feel like if you if you if you visualize yourself you know getting a shutout in your first game you'll you'll be able to do it if you if you like you see yourself doing it, you'll be able to do it. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. Nate, tell them how you visualize and the apparatus that you use. To oh do yeah. It. I think so, this is very interesting. What I would do is I would, uh, I would go in my room. I'd shut the light off. I, I kind of, you know, changed it up a little bit, but mm -hmm. the basic, the, the basic one that I used to do was I would go in my room, just think about what I want to visualize for like five minutes, something like that. I would close my eyes. I would put my helmet on. I would bring my actually, my actual goalie helmet. And I would put it on. And I would just sit there and think about, I would, you know, I would visualize some drills that I'm doing for my skate that day, or I'd visualize one of my really good performances in my games. And I feel like that's really tr like tremendously improved my, uh, my uh, level of play. So I've always wondered this, it's, it's 60 minute hockey game, sometimes longer, you know, there's potentially overtime, whatever it may be. And the action isn't always in front of you. You know, sometimes yeah. there's situations where, you know, maybe it's all on the other end. Maybe you're only getting 10, 15 shots that game, you know, whatever it may be. But then when that critical moment comes, you have to be mentally and physically locked in and ready to go. How do you on the other end of the ice, the other end of the action potentially stay within that moment so that you're ready when that, when it does come back on your end. Yeah. So this is really interesting. I used to struggle with that a lot, actually, when I, uh, <laughs> when I would have games, when I would have like, I would have like five, 10 shots, I would have a huge problem with, you know, my team, my, one of my defensemen giving a turnover and then I, I'm getting a breakaway. I'd usually get up getting scored on that because I'm not, I'm not mentally focused. But recently what I've, I found as I just like, just focus in on the play, just block out everything else. I, you know, even this is actually kind of interesting. I learned this from um, another goalie coach I had worked with briefly. His name's Steve McKeegan. He runs future pro goal goaltending school. He uh, worked with a guy. He put out a video. It was this technique. It was, it was like you would commentate your, to yourself what's going on the, in the game. So mm. it'd be like, you know, and, and it's like a, like an actual NHL announcer in your own head. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. 
Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. interesting. So you're doing like play by play in your own mind. Yeah, it, it's running to stay like focused. It's, yeah, it's like running the play by <laughs> play by in your head. It's it's actually it's actually really helpful. And then I know what me and you have worked on with uh, the uh, you know flushing it all out, like brushing mm-hmm. the, brushing the ice out in the crease, or just. And then there's another thing we would where I would just focus on one random thing and just think about that random thing. And if, if I got scored on, I would just think about that random thing and try to block out the, all the negativity from the goal. Yeah. So what he's talking about there, Kyle is, is a way to recover from a, a tough situation to recover from adversity. So we talked a lot about, you know, a stoplight technique that uh, a lot of people have talked about Ken Revisa and baseball. I've talked a lot about this with their baseball players that pretend your, your mind is like a traffic light. And when everything's good, it's green, everything's a go, but sometimes something bad happens and then your light turns yellow. And what you're supposed to do on the road when your light turns yellow is slow down, but most people speed up. And that's when a lot of athletes get into trouble and this game starts going too fast for them. So we taught Nate how to recognize that uh, by understanding what his mental traps are when he's getting distracted. And then he would do things like, you know, stop first of all, flush out any of the problems and he could uh, flush out some of the snow from his crease or knock some of the snow off of his skates or tap the, uh, the goalposts from side to side or skate around in a circle around the net. And then just take a nice deep breath and also focus on something random. Like you said, pick something out in the stands or flag and just stare at it for a couple seconds if he could without getting, without getting too distracted and then return himself back to some positive performance statements, uh, you know, which could just be reminding him to get in good position, keep his hands up, uh, put his knees in certain spots. And then he was back in the present moment. And, and that's what the thing as a goalie, you need to try to do, as you said, Kyle, because the, the action is not always at your end. So it's really hard to stay, stay present all the time. And so that's something that uh, Nate's had to really work hard on. So one thing that I've really found with uh, living in the present is most goalies, you either live in the past or the future. You either think about the coming, the what's coming down at you, or you are thinking about the crappy goal that you let in five <laughs> minutes ago. And just one thing that you, you really have to do as a goalie is you just have to stay in the present. You just have to follow the play as it's coming down. You can't, you can't think about what's going to happen next or what has already happened because it doesn't matter because it has either hasn't happened yet or it's already happened. So I guess moving forward here and, you know, I don't know when you'll necessarily be back in action or, you know, when things will get going here, depending on what, what goes on, but what are the, the next steps specifically? Do you know when you you'll go somewhere, when things might get started or you, is there still uncertainty for you? Uh, there's a bit of uncertainty. So as I said, I received an offer from the uh, El Paso Rhinos, but uh, I'm, I still have yet to sign, but I know their, their training camp is, in, is September 10th. So if I do end up signing there, that's well, that's where I'll be. Other than that, it's pretty uncertain. I'm supposed to have a junior A camp in Canada, but as, with the border shut down, it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, the NCDC combine coming up this weekend. And then I have a, a USHL camp after that. So just have to see what happens with those and just move forward. And the amazing thing I I admire so much about Nate is that no matter what happens, he just keeps moving forward. I mean, this guy comes into the office and it's this setback or this setback and uh, a lot of positives too, obviously. But man, every time I turn around, he's already got something else that's next. He's always focused on the next thing. And I think that's what's going to, you know, propel him forward moving uh, in the future because he just has that mindset. Hey, that's over with. That didn't work out. What's next? He's got that real positive outlook. Well, I got to believe that it will uh, suit you well moving forward. Um, And obviously, 
best of luck. You know, hopefully uh, things can get started here normally. I, I don't know necessarily that they will, but uh, it sounds like you can kind of work your way through a, a little bit of everything. So, you know, certainly yeah. we wish you the best of luck in that. And we really appreciate you. you joining us here uh, on the Rising Champions podcast, Nate. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'd- Good to see you, Nate. Take care, bud. We'll see you soon. Thanks, you too. Thank you for listening to the Rising Champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode. 